guys this morning um, before we get started I'm gonna pray for us again and we'll jump into our new series God I thank you again just for who you are we just give you this morning father we ask that you would meet us where we are God May we be open to learning and growing together as a community. And we give you praise and here we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we are going to be jumping into our new series called Community. <laughs> um, so we're, we are going to be talking about community in the early church, specifically looking at the book of Acts and just how the early church did community from the very beginning. Um, I'm not saying that we need to like uproot everything that we do in this community. I just think that there's things that we can learn from the early Christians of how they did things. And community is one of them, that they did well. They navigated pretty well. So throughout this series, we're going to look at like how they did community and what can we learn and how do we apply that in today's society? Because another thing we have to think through is culturally very different, <laughs> right? It was a very, it was a very different time and, um, and their culture is different than our culture today. So thinking through all of those things. And so we're going to look at the early church and how they did community. What can we learn from that? How do we apply that to us today? And today we're going to look at the, the way the early church lived as a community. They, they lived and breathed community. It was what they did. Um, and it was an intentional aspect. It was an intentional community. We're going we're gonna to look at a passage in the book of Acts. It's probably well known. It's, it's Acts, in Acts 2, starting in verse 42. Um, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. You can go on your phone if you want. Um, but I'm going to read it for us. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were, who were being saved. So the first thing, I just want to do a disclaimer. I am not saying let's all go sell everything we have, put it in a pile, and do that. I just disclaimer. I'm not saying that's what we need to do. Now, there are people that do live there that way. There are communities today that have that communal aspect of living, and I think there is some beauty to that. But one of the things that I think that we can glean from this, and one of the things I read, was that it wasn't so much that everybody went and sold all of their possessions. There were moments when some people would choose to sell their land or what they had because there was a need in the church and it was their way of caring for those in need. 
And so it might not be us like going and like giving like everything that we have, but it could be time, it could be energy, it could be something else that we are giving to those around us. One of the first things that struck me when I was reading this, and honestly, as I was like thinking through the series and preparing, the word community really didn't come about until much later um, in history. And so instead of it, community, it says in common. And for them, in common was this idea of belonging equally to several. So they had these things in common, which meant that they, they shared, they did things. There was not this um, hierarchy. There wasn't, oh, I have more, or it kind of avoided that like classism, the, feudalis the feudalist mindset that was in their society. Um, you know, only the really wealthy went and got educated and all of those different things. And by them having everything in common, it eliminated. For them, it was what was needed for them to truly live in community with one another. But they didn't just sell everything they had. There were other things that they did that were a little bit different. They worshiped together. They ate together. And that worshiping wasn't just like a once a week thing. They didn't just like go to the temple on Sunday or on Saturday and, and worship together in that moment. But they, they did it throughout the entire week. It was what they did. They did it on a regular basis. And they broke bread. There's something about sitting around a table and eating with one another that's really awesome and is really beautiful. And they also, they saw each other's needs and they relied on one another. I think one of the, the struggles that we in the American church have today is saying, hey, I need help. Because societally, like, it's almost weak if we say, I need help. But the thing is, is like, as the church, that's what we're called to do. We're called to care for one another, to care for the needy. Well, how can we care for the needy if we don't know the needs? We stay so insulated. We stay so, so inside of ourselves. And the only things we share are the good and the, the happy. And I'm not saying that's bad. But you see, the early church, they got in the trenches with one another from the get-go. They were learning how to do this together. They had no idea what they were doing. They were becoming believers. They were leaving traditions that they had known their whole life. Everything was getting flipped on its head, and all they could do was rely on one another. They let each other in. And that didn't come without its challenges. Next week, Mac is going to be here, and he's going to be preaching on how Church is messy, and the more you start to live into community and the more you start to get to know each other, the messier it gets, right? And, like, there's differences of opinions, and there's, and there's this fear, I think, that, at least for me personally, that stops me from truly diving in is, like, well, what if it's too much? Or, or what if, like... That's not what they're looking for. Like, I don't want to, like, be all up in someone's business that's like, hey, I'm just here. 
And so it stops me from truly diving into like meeting needs or saying, hey, I need help. I don't want to burden anybody. I, you all have stuff going on. You all have lives, you have responsibilities, and I don't want to be another thing that you have to do. So often I don't say anything. But then I'm stopping you all from allowing you to be my community. As I was preparing the sermon, that is what struck me the most. Is how many times have I not allowed someone to be community to me in fear that they would, I would be a burden. And instead of letting you guys have your own healthy boundaries, I make them for you. And I think we do that often. We don't want to be the ones to burden someone or make someone feel a certain way, so we just don't say anything. But see, the early church, they didn't do any of that. I mean, there was, they had their own stuff, but like they were in this together. Their needs were out there. They were, their needs were open. The early church, the group of, of believers, It's, they didn't like go without, I imagine, those same doubts. I wasn't there, obviously. I'm standing here today. I was not a part of the early church. I don't know what that looked like for them. But I imagine there were some parts of them that was like, oh, I don't want to be too much, or I don't want to be the cause of somebody having to do X, Y, and Z. But because they had chosen to live and be and have things in common, there was this freedom to truly rely on one another. And honestly, it was an expectation. It was an expectation that Jesus had of them, and it was an expectation that God had and of the apostles, and, and all of those things was for them to live in community with one another. It was for them to rely on one another. It was for them to take care of each other. Culturally, that was also part of their culture. One of the things that we do in this, in this society, in this culture in America, that is very different from a lot of other cultures around the world, is we are very individualistic. We separate ourselves. We deal with our individual family. I grew up in a family who my grandparents were first, were, uh, immigrants. They came from England. So my mother was the first one to like be born in the United States and all of that. And so my family, though very small, we grew up very close. Like we knew everything about each other and we were in each other's bubble and we were in each other's space because my, my grandmother was Italian and French. So the woman, like Italians, they're loud and they love like family stuff. 
And so, like, get everybody together, and you still, you get all of us together, and we're talking over each other, and we're, we're sharing our opinions, and we're doing this, and we're doing that, and we're going back and forth, and I love it so much. And if you go and visit, like, I visited my family that lives in Europe. <laughs> They're, like, in each other's bubble all the time. They know everything about each other. And culturally, that was how the early church was. That is exactly was expected of them as a community. But then as a body of Christ, they took it one step forward, like further, and they decided, okay, yes, you might not be a part of my immediate family, but you're a part of my family, so I'm going to care for you as a whole. And we're going to do this together. They took care of each other's needs. They worshiped together. They broke bread together. They always thought about the whole community. I think one of the things that they did that probably helped aid that is the breaking of bread. Because when you sit around a table and you're eating or maybe you're playing games or whatever it is, there's something that like loosens us up. We like are able to relax a little bit. And all of a sudden, we're starting to share a little bit more about ourselves. Maybe our upbringing or like, hey, this is what's going on in my life right now. And it aids in community. When we show up on a Sunday morning, there's a different feel. I'm sure for them, when they would go to the temple, it was different than sitting around and breaking bread. But if all we're doing is doing, like, coming in on a Sunday morning and expecting that to build community, like, it's not. We have to start breaking bread together. We have to start growing and getting to know one another and doing groups and living life with each other. Over the past two months, as Matt has been on his sabbatical, if there's one thing I've learned about this church is that y'all are really cool. And I really like every single one of you. Not that I didn't before. But over the last couple of weeks, I've had to learn to live in community with every single one of you. And I truly believe I could call on any of you if I needed help if I had a need. And I'm grateful for that. And I want that for everybody else. I want us to be a church where if something, if there is a need, we don't wait until it's happened, but when we're in the midst of it, we're saying, hey, I need this. The beginning of, the end of June, beginning of July, Oliver was in the hospital. He uh, was admitted for dehydration, but at that time we didn't know what was happening. And so he was in the emergency room, and then he was in the hospital, and we, uh, my mother went to work and texted all of her prayer chains. She's got like a hundred of them. And I was getting all these text messages from people. And at first, I was like, I don't want people to know this. Not because I care, but because I don't want to make a big deal. I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to make a big deal. But I'm realizing, like, <laughs> that was my community caring for our family, saying, hey, 
We're here in this moment. It's really easy for me to talk about it three months later or a month later and say, hey, this happened, and the people be like, well, why didn't you say anything? Well, I didn't want to bother anybody. I didn't want to put anything else on your plate. I was so grateful that we had that many people praying for Oliver. I'm grateful that it was dehydration and nothing more. But we didn't know. And I could have missed an opportunity to really let my community be there. But my mother didn't let that happen. Because let's be honest, it wasn't me. What would it look like if we stopped waiting until after we made it through something and we invited people in to the moment? Hey, this is happening right now and it's really hard. Can you just pray for me? Or hey, I'm about to have some surgery. <laughs> I can't cook. Would you mind bringing me a meal? Or I've got a lot going on and I need 30 minutes myself. Who would love to watch two toddlers? I feel like there would be so much rest in each one of us. There would be chances to experience God in another way. The early church, I felt, I think they had this relationship with one another, and it, it gave them just a tiny glimpse of how God ma- meant us to be. God created us to be in fellowship with one another. He didn't create us to be away, to be apart. He physically created us to live in fellowship, to live in community with each other. Not just on one day for a set amount of time, and maybe we go to lunch after but like our lives, to do this together. We weren't supposed to do it alone. But see, the thing about community that is absolutely 100% needed is you have to be intentional. Without some ability, some aspect of being intentional, community does eventually crumble. We could all, each one of us say, yeah, I want community. Yeah, I want community. But if no one puts forth an effort, then community isn't going to happen. Or if only one person is putting forth an effort, then that person is going to burn out and that eventually won't happen. But see, the early church didn't rely on just one person to be their community or to be the person spearheading their community happening. They made that community decision together. They said, in common, we will have everything in common as one, and we made that collective decision. It didn't rely on just two pastors. It wasn't just the leadership's job to make community happen. They did it together. And honestly, I think the apostles were more out of it than they were in it. Of course, they were supported and they were, they were helped and all that stuff, but I don't know how much the apostles actually aided in the community that happened in the early church. 
but they made the choice to be intentional. And intentionality, you have to be vulnerable. You have to have that vulnerability in order to be intentional. And in order for community to thrive, that you have to have, like, it's like a, I said last week there's no formulas, but this week there is a formula. So <laughs> this week it's like you have to have, like, intentional plus committed plus vulnerable equals community. Like, each part matters. And no way am I saying let's be masters at all three and go and do it. But like, one church, can we learn this together? Can we learn to be in community with one another? Can we learn to be intentional with one another? Committed to doing life together? Vulnerable with one another? I'm married to a man who hates small talk. Hates it. Um, and when I, we first got together, I was fine with small talk, and now I hate it more. Like, I don't know what's happened, um, but I, like, get up with people, and I'm like, so, how's your week been? And they're like, good, and I'm like, I have no more questions. <laughs> I'm just going to stand here awkwardly because I don't want to ask something that you might not want me to ask. So, good talk, and I walk away. I think there's something to that. The small talk, it can be good. But if we really want to live in community with one another, it's not going to get us very far. This fall, we are going to um, kick off groups. We're going to do some groups this fall, so plug. If anybody wants to lead or host a group, come talk to me. And I'm excited because I think that that is going to help us grow in community. And I know that we all have stuff going on. I know that we all have um, lives and we're busy and we have all the excuses in the world to put up walls but I want to encourage you guys over the next few weeks, take the time to really pray, God, okay, I do have a lot going on right now. But can you, can you show me where I have space to be intentional with the people around me? With the community that I have around me? There are, three, there are three things that if you leave here today, I would love for you to remember of what we can learn and honestly what I've learned over the last week when, pre when prepping for this sermon. The first is how to care for one another. Like I said, we tend to keep stuff in. We, we, we keep ourselves isolated because it is scary. It's vulnerable. It means we have to lay ourselves, really, and the fear of rejection down and put ourselves out there to say, 
have a need. Can someone help me? And number two, that like I said, community has to, requires intentionality. It requires for us to be committed. Honestly, it's that formula. If we walk out of here remembering one thing, it's the formula. Committed plus intentional plus vulnerability equals community. Like those three things are so important to our community being and able to flourish and watching as people come in, them hopefully being added to this community because they walk through the door and all of a sudden they're like, wow, they care for one another. Like they are meeting the needs that are in their community. I walk through that, which let's be honest, that can be scary. When you walk through the door for the first time. Because it's not what we're used to. But I don't know about you all, but I'm ready for change. But someone has to be willing to start making the changes. Someone has to be willing to have changes start the hap to happen. The early church, they weren't only committed to God, but they were committed to one another. I am fully committed to you guys. 110%. If you need something, please call. I'm not just saying that. Like I said, if there's one thing that I've grown to know over the last two months, it's that I love the people in this church. I genuinely, deeply care for each one of you. And I want to do anything I can to help you feel and be and do everything that God wants you to be and do and all of that and support you however I can support you, whether that's in the highs or that's in the lows. As we get ready to take communion, I want you to think through some questions. What might be holding us back from true community? What might be holding one church back? And then what might be holding you back? What is it that might be stopping you? And maybe there's nothing, and if there's nothing, then hallelujah. But what is causing us to not say yes to intentional, committed community with one another? Because if there's one thing I want for all of those children in that room, it's for them to know that they are cared for not just by their parents, but by the people that are in this church that as they grow and they age, and no matter where God takes them, that they have people that are behind them, supporting them, willing to love them at every stage. A community, a true community that fights for one another. 
that encourages one another, that loves one another, despite differences, opinions, knowledge. but just true commitment to having everything in common. If you need a communion cup, go ahead and raise your hand and Wayne will bring you one.